Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Simple Church. Good morning, good morning, and happy Easter. He is risen. Come on, can we celebrate today? Now, for those of you that are new to it, it's not that he rose today, it's that today we are celebrating what happened thousands of years ago when Jesus rose from the dead and uh, therefore just settled the victory uh, that he had uh, over death, hell, and the grave, effectively kicking the devil in the teeth and saving us uh, all of humanity for all of time. Isn't that something to be excited about today? It's a good day, man. Glad, uh, glad everybody is here today. Want to take just a moment to greet all of you, but also say hello to those that are watching online today. Can we say hello to our online campus this morning, guys? Come on. Let them know you're glad they're with us today, too. There are people watching all over the place, those that are unable to get here, but also there's, uh, there's people across the country that join us, and uh, it's quite exciting to have them here as well. I want to say Happy Easter. Uh, if it is your very first time here, maybe you've been hanging out for a while, I uh, want to thank you again for being here, but I want to encourage you to do one thing for us, and that's to reach into the seat back in front of you. You're going to find what's called our Connect card. And uh, if you'll take a moment to fill out a Connect card and drop it off at the Connect Center after uh, service today, we've got a free gift we'd like to give you. We promise we won't harass you in any way, shape, or form, uh, but you can feel free to do that. There's also things on that Connect card. If you made a decision today, you want some more information about our church and several other things on there. So take a look at that uh, at any time during the service today. You'll also notice when you came in today on every seat was an Easter survey. We take time every year. Uh, to, to listen, and uh, around Easter is a great time to do that, and this year we were asking two questions, and I, I, we'll give some time at the end to reflect and to answer those questions, but we would love for you to answer those questions. It really helps us uh, guide the rest of our, our sermon series for the rest of the year, uh, because you let us know what, what, what is the heaviest things for you, what are the things that are keeping you from a relationship with God, what are those barriers, and, and what are the things that are stressing you out, what are the things that have got you all anxious, and if you answer those two questions for us, it'll really help us shape what our sermon series looks like and uh, best speak to the needs that are in the house. So feel free to do that at any time during the service today, but also know that I will give you time at the end uh, to do that. But we are here today celebrating. It is Easter Sunday, and I don't know about you guys, but, uh, but I grew up in church. Did anybody here grow up in church, right? Anybody grow up going to Easter Sundays? You have fond memories of those things, right? Like I, I did. I, I, was, I remember going... Uh, to church. We went to, to lots of different churches as I was growing up, but, but I, I remember going to church on a regular basis, and um, for the most part, I didn't dress up. Like as a kid, my mom, we didn't dress up on Sunday mornings, but Easter Sunday was different, right? Easter Sunday, we had Easter best. It was, I don't know why you would put uh, a boy, uh, you know, specifically, uh, in white pants and a white <laughs> shirt with one of those clip-on ties that just dug into your neck. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody relate? 
Well, why you would ever do that? Because they were always ruined by the end of the day. And actually, I wouldn't even say by the end of the day, but likely before we got out of the house, there was some, something on them that should not have been on them. But, uh, but I remember going uh, to Easter services, and, and, and Easter for us was an all-day affair, right? Because Easter wasn't just Sunday morning service. There was the potluck afterwards. Anybody go to the potluck afterwards? There's, there's not one here. But we did buy a whole bunch of donuts. No, listen to me. We do have a whole lot of donuts out there that if they're here at the end of service, there will be an all-you-can-eat donut buffet and maybe like a contest that I'm going to find myself in. I'm not sure. So please don't make that happen. I, I don't need to be sick all day long. I will be happy, but I will be sick for sure. So uh, no, but, but so there's like a potluck you go to, right? And then uh, after the potluck, uh, at my house, we go home. We, we took naps on Sunday afternoons. Anybody know what that's all about, right? Yes, we got naps. Uh, I, I, and then... After the nap was the egg hunt. Now listen, I think kids today are getting robbed. I don't know about you, but, but if, you're, if you're a young person and you feel the same, let me know. But I think kids are getting robbed because today we do these egg hunts. Ain't no hunting about it. They are brightly colored and some adult put some candy in them and walked out in a field and just went like this. No, I had to slave for my eggs. They were real hard-boiled eggs. There were three boys in the house, and we had three different colored eggs. My parents cared about me, and they wanted me to know which eggs were mine. And then they would go out in the backyard. Actually, they used to hide them in the house till we couldn't find a, co find a couple of them, you know? That's bad news. And, you know, parents forget where they put them, right? So, so we did it outside, but those eggs were hidden, and... Um, we had to hunt for those. And there was money attached to them as well. So uh, there were certain color codes on them. You got a certain amount of money. And you couldn't find somebody else's eggs. You had to just find yours. Like my, we really had like this big kind of event. And I, and I, I love that growing up. And I, I'm sure everybody here has some Easter family traditions, stuff that, that fills this day. But I, I think we have to be really careful, right? Because I think we can be surrounded by a lot of spiritual things on Easter, but it's really easy for Easter to just become an event, to become a day. It becomes a moment. We, we, you know, we've got the baskets with the candy, and, and, and you know, they're filled with chocolates and peeps. Dear God, why are we still spending money on peeps? Like, I feel like adults who buy peeps just have some extra cash and have just decided they want to throw it away. You know what I mean? Because I never once ate peeps. Well, there was the one time, but I immediately spit it out and then never again, right? Like, so... I don't know why we do this, but, but there's the baskets with the candies, and then there's the meals and the eggs, and then we've got to get a picture, which if you want to get a picture with the bunny, you can take a selfie with the bunny after service, right? Because if you didn't get a picture with the bunny, then Easter must not have happened. You know what I'm saying? So like, we've got all this stuff, and it's easy to get caught up in all the things that make Easter an event. And I think what happens is with all the stuff that we're doing, we wind up missing the meaning of Easter. And so today my main thought is, if you're taking notes, the resurrection is not an event. The resurrection is an experience. The resurrection is an experience that each of us is supposed to have. And it's really, really easy to miss, not just on Easter, but throughout the rest of our spiritual journey. In fact, Paul understood this, and he goes in Galatians, he, it's a letter that he wrote to a church in the city of Galatia. And he says this in verse 1 of chapter 3. He says, oh, foolish Galatians. What a way to address some people you love, right? 
He said, who has cast an evil spell on you? Now understand, Paul is the one who started this church, and he has a bit of an authority to talk to him, but he's also not being rude in this moment. What he's saying to them, oh foolish Galatians, he's not saying that they're stupid. What he's saying is, you guys are being thoughtless. What happened to you guys? Your thought patterns or the way that you're approaching this, your attitude, everything has kind of shifted, and I don't understand how we got here. What he's saying is that, that they've been thoughtless about their spiritual journey instead of retaining what Paul had originally instructed them to do. So he just here's some context for you. During the day, uh, this, is, this is, you know, they're out preaching the gospel. They're establishing um, some churches. But there was a group of people who came in and began infiltrating the Christians. And it was this group of Jewish people who were also Christians. But they began infiltrating these, these new churches with these ideas and these traditions and approaches uh, that were off base. Uh, and, and what happened was when that infiltration happened, their, their thought patterns began to change. And what, what wound, they wound up doing was being on a spiritual journey that God didn't put them on. They, they wound up doing things that, that Paul didn't teach them to do. And they're walking out this path, moving away from an authentic relationship, an authentic experience with God, and they started doing more rule-keeping. They started taking on the traditions of man. And this, this still happens today. You know that? Still happens today. There's this massive departure from God's best for us. We call it, we, we, we think we're being progressive. And we call it, well, we're redefining our faith. Or you're, this is a popular one that you'll hear. We're deconstructing our faith and rebuilding it, right? We're, we're, we're changing the meaning of what morality is. We're changing the meaning of what love is. And we're redefining all these things and now calling it the word of God, and it's, it's just far from it. The result is that we are slowly drifting away from God's best for us. And I think it's our responsibility that we must choose to stand for and let God's word alone define those things for us. Now, back to the text, Paul asked the question. He says, who is it? He's like, who is it that's got you all, who's cast a spell on you? He's asking the question, but he knows the answer. Anybody ever talk to somebody like that? Like it's your parents usually, right? They're asking you who did this. They know who did it. They're just giving you an opportunity to speak up and be honest, right? Paul's, he's being a parent here. Who did it? And he knew who it was. It was this group of Jewish Christians called the Judaizers, uh, and, and, and they were the ones that were causing all the confusion. So, so here's what happened. Jesus, of course, shows up on the, on the planet. He preaches he, he, he gets brutally murdered, he dies, he rises from the grave, he's here for a short time after he resurrects, and then he tells all his disciples before he leaves, all of his followers, hey, go tell the world. Go tell everybody the gospel, or the gospel just means the good news, that, that the good news is you, you can be saved, that you can be free from your sins, you can have a brand new life. He said, go tell them that, uh, and, and so God commissions the, the original 12 to go do that, and then they promptly stayed in Jerusalem. They didn't leave, they didn't go into the rest of the world. <laughs> so God goes out and gets Paul and says, Paul, my boys are going to stay over here in Jerusalem. You get the rest of the world. And Paul's like, got it. I'm going to go ahead and do that. And Paul is going to the non-Jews. He's going to all of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are, are people that, that didn't know the Jewish God. They didn't know the God who had revealed himself by his name of Yahweh. They didn't, they didn't know him. They didn't know his laws. They didn't know any traditions. They didn't know history. They knew nothing, which was fine because Paul was preaching a message where we are saved by grace, that they didn't need to understand the law. They didn't need to come up underneath of it, that salvation was a free gift to them through Jesus, not through their own efforts by abiding by the law. 
And Paul goes on mission and begins these churches all over. And afterwards, the Judaizers came in behind him and they confuzzled things. Yes, it's a word. <laughs> you know what I'm saying when I say it. They confuzzled people. And these Judaizers were Christians, but the thing is they really loved their laws. <coughs> what that means is that they were a Jesus plus kind of organization. And the Bible says that salvation is Jesus plus nothing. That, 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 that all we need is just him alone. They came along and said, hey, no, there's some rules. There's some Jewish laws. There's some stuff. There's some history here. And we want you to look like us. And we want you to conform to what we've done all our lives. And so we want you to follow all the Jewish laws. They didn't like, essentially, the way that the Gentiles looked, the way they sounded, the, the way that they acted. They wanted them to conform to the law. And essentially what they did was they came in after people became Christians and they said, okay, welcome to Christianity. Here's the laws. Here's all the rules. Don't we do that sometimes to people? Kind of expect it, right? We kind of expect this behavior modification before we can come to Jesus. Well, if I'm going to be with Jesus, I'm going to have to change everything about myself. And that's just not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says if you give Jesus your heart, he'll transform you. Has nothing to do. Because honestly, if you could change yourself, wouldn't you done been changed by now? Okay. Didn't mean to be in your business. I'm just telling you how it is. <laughs> they said, here's the rules. There's a whole bunch of stuff to do. There's boxes you need to check. There's ways that you need to dress. There's words that you need to say. Words you need to not say. Thinners. <laughs> and all of this stuff was just so that the Judaizers could approve them. To, to, to say, you're just like us. You're Christians now. Now, the biggest issue that people pushed back on was the Jewish law of circumcision, right? Now, circumcision is very common today. Boys don't leave the hospital here in the United States without one, right? It's just, it's very common unless the parents protest and say no to it, but it's very common. But back in the day, it was not common. In fact, when God first appeared to Abraham, who was a grown adult, he said, this is going to be a sign of the covenant that you and I are going to have, that you're going to circumcise yourself and every male in your household. This was very distressing for people. <laughs> and yet they all did it, and then from then on, every Jewish boy was circumcised eight days later. But here the Judaizers are showing up to this Gentile culture, this culture that does not understand that, and that's like saying like today, hey guys, welcome to Simple Church. Thanks for making a commitment to Jesus Today, we have some doctors standing by for your surgery after service, <laughs> and uh, if you'll just stop by, oddly enough, it, the doctor is also the Easter Bunny, and so uh, this is just, this is going to be a very confusing day for you, but we need to get this done. <laughs> As you can imagine, this is not a good church growth strategy. The guys are like, see you later. No, thank you. Right? And so it, it's, a, it's a difficult thing. It's like, ah, people were just like, I don't, I don't think I want to do that. I, I don't think I want to be part of that. And it created this tension in the early church, and Paul was upset about it. He wasn't having it. He was like, no, this is not okay. He was furious that they, they were coming in and confuzzling people. So he's asking the question, who is it? I want you to identify them. I want you to point some fingers, and I want you to tell me who it is that messed up your theology, who led you away from the life-giving experiences that I started you with. Who has your ear? He wants to know the answer to that. Look at that verse again. He says, O foolish Galatians, who cast an evil spell on you? 
Now, this is not like, you know, they're, they're like Harry Potter, you know what I mean? Harry Potter, the boy who lives, gone to die. I did. I practiced that a lot. This is 20 points to your house for laughing. I appreciate that. Now, listen, there, there were... What this means is something a little different than what you're thinking. It's not that they're casting spells. What this means more is who cast an evil eye on you. We all know those people, right? People that cast an evil eye on you. Somebody that, that feels like they act like they've got it all together, that they're abiding by all the rules, they're doing everything right, and they've earned, they've earned the right to look down their long religious nose at you and look down on you. Somebody who's judging the way you walk, the way you talk, judging how many holes you got in your jeans, how many tattoos are on your body. Somebody judging you because of your haircut. Somebody judging the way that you have lived your life. Somebody judging you, judging every part of you. It's this sister Bertha better than you. Right? They judge with this sadistic glee in their eyes. And maybe, maybe this is your first time at church, and maybe you expected that when you walked in today, that you were going to find a bunch of people looking down their nose at you. Hopefully, when you walked in this door, that didn't happen, because we got a policy. It's come as you are, baby. We want you here. No matter where you've been, no matter what you look like, only rule about clothes is that you're wearing them. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> But you expected, you might, might come in here today expecting somebody to judge you. And, and honestly, when I talk to a lot of people, they're like, I don't want to go to church. Why? Because I don't want people to judge me. I don't want people to judge me because I'm going to show up on Sunday morning with a hangover. I don't want people to judge me because of what I did last night. I, I don't want people to judge me because, because maybe they know something about my life. We don't want their evil eye on them, right? We don't want that. But it happens today, just like it happened back then. The Judaizers were looking down on the Galatian church, and, and it happened today. It happened to me. I grew up in church. I love church. I love Jesus. And when I was a teenager, I was at this church, and, and, and God bless them, but it happens to, to churches. They start acquiring traditions and a language, the way they talk about it. You all know what I'm talking about. It's like Christianese, you know what I mean? Pastor gets up on a Sunday morning, bless the Lord, everybody, hallelujah, yeah. Thankful that you're baptized in the blood of Jesus and you're a new person going, oh my God, what happened? They're, they're baptized in blood around here? And that's, and that's not the case at all. It just means that, that, hey, we've put our faith in Jesus and the blood he shed forgives us of our sins, right? But we have to be very careful because we'll get caught up in our own culture and our own language and we'll separate ourselves from people. But even the Christians that come into our church, if we're not careful, what happened to me can happen to you because what happened to me was I'm a teenager and I'm in a young minister's club. Now I'm showing up on a Saturday morning to pray and talk about the Bible with people in, in a small group with other teenagers. And we're in there and we're talking about faith one day. And I'm talking about witnessing to people and, and sharing my faith. And, and I must have I must have mentioned this sinful place that I went to. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called a movie theater. Oh, oh, there was a girl in our small group who just was not having it. She was like, you think that you can go to a movie theater and still love Jesus? 
And I said, well, yeah, I was, I was also wearing shorts that day. Oh, my goodness. We're done. You're done. You're, you were wearing shorts in a movie theater, and you still think you're saved. You think people will listen to your message about Jesus. And I said, well, I, I guess I thought, I, I, I thought so. I didn't think it had anything to do with any of that stuff. But I was confuzzled. And she went and got the pastor's wife and told on me. The pastor's wife, of course, told her husband, the pastor, on Sunday I got called into an office, and then I got banned from the Young Ministers Club. Oh, yeah. I've done some deep work of forgiveness. Deep. You probably had it happen to you. You, you probably got removed or probably got excommunicated. You probably got pushed out of a church community because of something, nothing that had to do anything with the Bible. Man-made traditions, rules, things that, that, that they're like, we think that this keeps us way far away from our sin. We've got these extra rules, just like the Pharisees and the Sadducees had in the Bible. So many laws. They put their evil eye on me. They shamed me, and they rejected me. And it confused me because I love Jesus, and I knew I was called to ministry. And I'm like, now what? Now what? We've got to remember foolish Galatians. There are those who will try to judge you and pervert your spiritual journey. They will try. They'll try to make it all about the rules. They'll try to make it about your works, about your effort. Don't get caught up in that. In Galatians 3, Paul takes time to set the record straight, which I love, which is why I'm sharing it today. He makes it, makes it obvious what our spiritual journey should look like. He makes it obvious what the gospel really says, what Easter is really all about. Now, some of you here today, you've never heard this. Others, this is just a good reminder for you. So Galatians 3, verse 2, he continues on after he asks, well, who's put the spell on you? He said, let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? So this is the law they wouldn't have known anything about. Did, did, you, did you find freedom? Did you get to know Jesus? Did you draw close to God through the law by obeying all the rules and making your own efforts? The answer was no. They said, of course not. He said, you received the Spirit because you believed. Because you believed the message you heard about Christ. He said, this wasn't about what you do. never has been. It's not about what you do. It's not about you. It's about what Jesus did. He goes on to say, how foolish can you be? Again, not making fun of them. How thoughtless. How easily you are blown astray and blown off path. After starting your new lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Isn't that what we do sometimes? We start off in a journey of freedom, and we start acquiring all the rules, start thinking a lot about ourselves, start thinking we got it all together, and we start looking down our noses at people. We make it. We started off our spiritual journey by trusting, but now we're trying to sustain it by trying Trusting, from trusting to trying. And it happens to many of us. We come into faith because of the good news, and somewhere along the way, our focus gets shifted off of Jesus and onto ourselves. It becomes about how good we are, about how holy we are, about how hard we try, about the rules that we followed. And this is a natural thing because at our core, everyone wants to be good. Everybody does. Everybody wants to be good. In fact, when we think about this process of salvation, the way that we are made free, the way that we are 
cleansed and made whole because of what Jesus did. You know, when you start really thinking about it, grace doesn't make sense to us, does it? It doesn't make sense to us. We understand good behavior. We understand effort. We understand attitude. Grace, grace is something foreign to us. Grace that we would receive something so rare, so precious, something we couldn't pay for, something that we don't deserve, something we couldn't earn. Grace makes no sense to us, especially in our American context. We're used to working hard for everything, pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps. We're used to earning it and making our own way. Grace doesn't call for that. Grace says this is a free gift, and it's the greatest gift you'll ever receive. Oh, and you can't pay for it. You don't need to pay me back. You say, but I'm a sinner. I've done bad things. I've lived only for myself. If I want to be saved, I just got to put my faith in Jesus. That doesn't make sense. Certainly, you want something from me. Certainly, I have to, to serve or give or pay for something. Maybe there's some kind of sacrifice I have to make in order to earn God's love. But that, that kind of thinking is just a trap. It's an absolute trap because we don't have to earn God's love. We couldn't if we wanted to. And if we fall for that trap, there's a problem with it. And Paul tells us what the problem is in verse 10. He says, those who depend on the law to make them right with God, they're under a curse, and they're under his curse. You know why? Because we can't, we, we can't abide under the law. We, we, we have to do it perfectly. He says, for the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey. So you've got to know it, all the rules, and you have to obey them, all of them, all the time. Everything that's written in God's book of the law. What he's talking about is how are you going to approach your relationship with God, right? Are you going to approach it through your knowledge, through understanding, through your efforts? Or are you going to approach your relationship through Jesus, which is, which is the way of grace, where you just receive that gift? Are you going to approach him that way? Are you going to approach him through what Jesus has done? Or what all that you need to do underneath the law? How are you going to approach him? Because if you want to depend on the law for your salvation, if you want to do that, you want to follow all the rules to save your soul, want to earn your salvation, not receive it by grace, here's the law. And its standards are rigorous. In fact, they're impossible. Because if you sin at all, you're disqualified. If you sin at all, you're disqualified. That's why Paul says that your life's under a curse. Because no one's good enough. There's none of us here that's good enough. Not a single one of us. Not me, not you, but we all want to be good. We all want to be close to God. And we all, at some point in time, have tried to give our own effort to get there. But none of us is good enough. But if we try to do it by following the law, we will fail. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a good person on earth who always does good and never sins. And every parent here said, Amen. every married person here said, Amen. every person alive and breathing in this room said, Amen. yeah, ain't no one. We've probably all sinned a couple times this morning, right? <laughs> well, by the way, if you're hung up on what that word sin means, it just means missing the mark of God's best for you, okay? It's not all the, 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 the things we like to label sins, the big sins, you know, that makes everybody a thinner. Let me, let me demonstrate what I mean. We're all sin. We're all sinners. 
And if we try to live according to the law, we've already lost. It'll be impossible to be good. It's one sin to be a sinner. So let me ask you a question. Just by show of hands, okay? How many of y'all have ever lied before? If you don't have your hand up, you're a liar. <laughs> All right, hands down. <laughs> How many of you have cheated before? I've cheated. I cheated at Spoons Hardcore this past weekend. <laughs> My niece was all cocky because she she, she's like, I've gone through this whole thing, and I haven't lost a single round. And I was like, bet. <laughs> One, two, three strikes, you're out. Yeah, all right. Next time, bring some humility to the table. I'm just saying. <laughs> How many of you guys have ever harbored hate for someone in your heart? All right, don't raise your hand on this one. Maybe just kind of give me a little nod. How many of you have ever lusted after someone before? Yeah, I don't want to get you in trouble with whoever you're sitting with. <laughs> you're welcome. So according to the Bible, if you've ever done that, those things, if you've ever lied, if you've ever cheated, if you've ever hated someone or lusted after them, you are a lying, cheating, murdering adulterer. Welcome to church, everybody. <laughs> and according to the law, it just takes once. It just takes once to make you a liar. It just takes once to make you a cheater, a murderer, an adulterer. It just takes once, and you miss the mark, and ultimately you fail the law. I mean, you, you, can't, you can't go back. You can't fix it. There's nothing you can do to do that. But don't worry. The truth is, is that God loves you despite these things. In fact, one of, the, one of my favorite heroes of the Bible is David, who would later became king. He was a, a shepherd boy. He was a lying, cheating, murderous adulterer. And God used him mightily. In fact, the Bible says about him that he was a man after God's own heart. I love that. Love that. And he's included in Jesus' bloodline, too. The truth is today that even though you're a lying, cheating, murdering adulterer, God loves you and he'll use you, too. We're all sinners. We're all thieves. We're all greedy. We're all prideful. And aren't you glad you came to church today? I need to be encouraged. We have to realize that good is not measured by our standards, right? Good is measured by God's. His standard is perfection. And when we try to get around God's standards through redefining and deconstruction, uh, what, what we wind up doing is continuing to miss the mark. But now we've convinced ourselves we're not. See, good it doesn't mean sinless, or good isn't sinless. Good means we think that good now becomes, or when we deconstruct it and redefine it, we say good isn't about not sinning. Good is just about being better than I was before. It's this 51% theology that if I'm 51% good and only 49% bad, uh, then I'm going to go to heaven. That, that, that that's what makes me good, and that means that I'll, that I'll be there, be there you know, when I leave this earth, and that's just not what your Bible says. I think there's going to be a lot of good people in hell when it's all done. There's going to be a lot of good people who say, well, I did good while I was there. Yeah, but that's, that's not how that works. See, Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one, no one, that means no one in this room, no one outside of this room, comes to the Father except through him. Ain't no other way. Ain't no other way. You can't earn your way to heaven so here's what the Bible says about our sinfulness in Romans 6.23. It says the wages of sin is death. Because we're all sinners, you need to understand that there is a price to pay for our sinfulness. There's a price we have to pay, and that payment is death. It's not just the end of our lives. It's actually death in every area of our lives while we're here on earth. 
And then that death turns into eternal separation from God as we pay for our sins in hell. See, I don't think God sends people to hell. I think people choose to pay for their own sins and go to hell. So he gave us Jesus. It's free. All you have to do is accept it. And all of us here were sinners today. All of us have experienced death in some area of our life, and that's the miracle of Easter and the good news of this day is that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. That's the truth of this day. That's the miracle of Easter, and that's what the resurrection power of Jesus is for. That's what it's for. The greatest Easter ever verse, the greatest, greatest Easter verse ever is Jesus speaking, and he's talking in Revelation. This is about the end of days, and it says this, I am he, this is Jesus talking, I am he who lives, and I was dead, but thank God he ain't dead no more. Amen, everybody? Amen. And behold, I'm alive forevermore, and then he amens himself. Now, I don't know if you've ever just, just been in conversation with somebody, and you said something that was just fire, right? And you were just, you know what? If you ain't going to high-five me, I will high-five myself. That's what happened in that verse. Amen. Sometimes I feel that way on Sunday mornings. I'll amen myself. I'll shout it. It's fine. I'm good. He said, and I have the keys, watch this, of Hades and of death. (laughs) See, this is the greatest news about death, about Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, is that when he rose from the dead, he held the keys to those things and freed us forever, unlocking this new life for us. And so it doesn't matter how dark your life has been. It doesn't matter what you're walking through. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you have made. It doesn't matter how hopeless you feel right now at this moment or whether you've even given up on life. Jesus holds the key of all the hell and death that you have ever have or could experience in this life. No one person is beyond God's touch or his repair. It doesn't matter how broken you are, how addicted you are. It doesn't matter how hurt you are. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter that there's a war going on. It doesn't matter if everyone gets up and walks out of your life because God is for you and not against you. God's resurrection power is available to each of you because greater is he who is in you than he who is in this world. And if you'll fix your eyes on Jesus, he will be the author and the finisher of your faith journey. Fix your eyes on him and not on what man has to say. The good news is, is that your faith journey is all about him and has nothing to do with you. That's the celebration today. That's the celebration of Easter. Remember, the price we pay for our sins is death. However, that verse doesn't stop here. I like that, that Romans 6.23 continues because it says the wages of sin is death, but How many of y'all are happy to see a button scripture? I know I am. Because if that was the end of the story, the wages of sin is death, we done. But God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm simply making the case today that everyone needs Jesus. Every one of us needs Jesus. We're all lost in our sins. We can never earn heaven. Despite our temptation to try to do so, we have to recognize that we're all sinners, that we're not a good person, that every single one of us falls falls short, and that's why we need Jesus. Because he is perfect, he never sinned, and he gave his life as a ransom. Do you guys know what what a ransom is? It's a payment that is made to set a prisoner free. Who's the prisoner? Yeah, 
That's the ransom he paid. He paid for our freedom. He paid for our forgiveness. He holds the key to your captivity because he paid that price. And he didn't have to die. He chose to die. Why? Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And he came to rescue us. That's why we can't let Easter just be an event. We can't just let it be a moment. We have to let Easter be experienced. What is there to experience? Freedom. There's life. There's a full and fulfilled life, to be clear. There is more for you. And Paul said this, and I'm done, in Philippians 3.10. He said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And as your pastor today, that's what I long for you. I want you to know him. I want you to experience him and encounter his presence. Let's bow our heads for just a moment. I'm gonna call us into a time of reflection. And in this moment, I just, maybe first I wanna talk to those of you that are are Christ followers already. Maybe I just described your story. You started off with life and freedom and your relationship with Jesus because you encountered and experienced something you could not explain. It was grace. And it forever changed your life. But somewhere along the way, all the good that you've been doing, maybe it got into your heart. Maybe it's gotten in the way of your relationship with Jesus. And as a result, maybe, maybe you've been looking down your judgy nose at people. Maybe you've forgotten that you too are a sinner in need of a savior, in need of his grace and his mercy. And today, man, you're just remembering like, ah, I've, I remember I'm a sinner and I need a savior too. Maybe there's a shift that needs to happen within you today, a refocusing where we, we leave behind our choice to just be all worried about the rules. And instead, just focus on Jesus. Others of you, you're here today and maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus before. Today's your opportunity. You don't have to do anything. He's already done it all. All you need to do is receive a gift. It's kind of like Christmas. You just show up. And there's a package that's got your name on it. It's from God. And when you unwrap it, you discover it's everything your heart has ever longed for. In fact, the Bible says eternity is placed in the hearts of man. That there is this longing within you for that that which is eternal and supernatural. The only thing that will fill that hole in your heart and answer that longing is a relationship with Jesus. And so today, if you're ready, I'm gonna pray a prayer in a minute, but I'm gonna offer you some time to reflect. What are you gonna do with Jesus? For those of you that are already searching your heart and you know you're in the right place, would you silently be praying for those around you? People are making decisions today. This is an important day. So here's what's gonna happen. The the band's gonna play this last song for us. I need you to remain seated. I need you to remain in a state of reflection. What are you gonna do with Jesus? 
And maybe even take this time to answer those questions on that survey for us. But they're going to sing this song, I'm going to come back. And if you're going to make a decision, we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together and we're going to celebrate. Take it away, guys.
moments here. What will you do with Jesus? Will you insist on paying for your sins yourself? Will you try to live under that law? Do the best you can do? Or will you simply accept what Jesus has already done for you in the greatest display of love? He gave his life for you. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this moment. This moment's for you. If today's your day and you're saying, Aaron, I'm going to make a commitment to you today. I'm going to say yes to Jesus. I don't think that means I'm going to be perfect, but I'm going to follow him. I'm going to let him change me. I'm going to let him show me how to live for him. That's what we're inviting you to do make him Lord of your life. To accept that, man, your way has led to a mess. That his way leads to life. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, I'm going to give you the words, but I just want to know if you're here in the room and that's you and you're making that commitment today, whether you've made this before and you've drifted and want to come back, or if today is your day to say yes for the first time. Would you just slip your hand up and say, that's me today. That's me today. Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, there's hands all across this room. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands down. Everybody praying together. Nobody prays alone. You're online and you're watching at our online campus. Would you pray with us too? Say, Jesus. Come on, everybody all together. Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins and make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. And I'll live every day for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Come on, Simple Church. Can we celebrate with those that have made a commitment today? Come on, let them know. It's the best decision they ever made. Man. For those of you that have made that commitment today, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to make the next best one. Let us help you on your spiritual journey. Let us come alongside you, help you understand what your next steps are. The best way to do that is to fill out a Connect card so that way we know, hey, you made a commitment today. We won't harass you. We just want to be a partner with you. We want to welcome you into this spiritual family. So if you'll take that connection card, fill that out, mark the spot, say, I say yes to Jesus today. You can drop it off at the Connect Center on your way out. We'd love to just greet you and say hello to you. And as we wrap up this service, we have just one more moment of worship, and that's an opportunity for us to give. We just came out of this series where we were talking about, hey, this is just such a beautiful moment to recall all of God's faithfulness to us. That we don't have to give, we get to give. We get to be part of God's kingdom we get to return to him what he's asked of us because of all he's done for us. So if you're here today and uh, you'd like to give, there are digital ways to give. There's also a give box right in the back of the room. There's a bright, shiny light on it. Uh, you can't miss it, but uh, we, we appreciate your faithfulness and all that you give. So let me just pray over the offering. And as I, after I'm done praying, we'll dismiss. And you can celebrate Easter with everybody. Some of you have made a new commitment today. You get to celebrate the real meaning of Easter. And I pray that you hold that, all of you hold that in your heart. That today there be a renewed 
part in you that says, man, I'm going to celebrate all Jesus has done for me today. I'm going to celebrate my salvation. I'm going to celebrate him. But I'm going to pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. If you need prayer for anything, there'll be our pastoral team that's available right here to pray for you. Don't, don't leave without having somebody pray for you if you've got a need in your life. For me, I'll be at the Connect Center, and I'd love to meet you. I'd love to say hello. But let me pray. Lord, thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you for bringing us out of bondage, bringing us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you for saving us, for redeeming us, taking all of our pain and assigning purpose to it, for giving us a full and fulfilled life here on this earth. It is with this heart of such gratitude, God, that we offer our finances to you, that we offer to you what you've asked us to do. We celebrate you. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you for your peace, your joy, your hope. God, thank you for your son. And thank you for the experience of Easter that we get to live every day. Lord, bless all those that are here today. Bless every dollar that is received today. Help us reach more people with every dollar than we've ever thought imagined. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Happy Easter. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.